What's happening, guys? Welcome to Lockdown Marlins, your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. Hope everyone is doing well. This is a Saturday edition of Lockdown Marlins. There's been some silence from me since Monday with the emergency podcast covering the Derek Jeter news. Apologies, but back with some weekend episodes. And there's actually some Marlins news to get into. The dust has settled as well on Derek Jeter. And also the CBA discussions that were gaining momentum have now ended or paused. The deadline wasn't hit and thus games are cancelled. Our worst fears are being realised. And I guess we need to understand what the key topics remain and whether a deal can be done in time. Guys, do not forget to follow me on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK. And of course, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. It is coming at you oh, close to daily, not quite daily right now. A minimum of three times a week. We'll be back tomorrow for sure with a Sunday episode. Um, and actually, there's some programming notes to share. Next week, we're going to be getting on some guests to help navigate and discuss the Washington Nationals with us. So stay tuned for that one. That should be very, very interesting, as you know. I think the Juan Soto topic should be very interesting to talk about with some Nats fans. So we're going to have that. Also, we have Daniel Alvarez uh, joining the show again. We are actually bringing him on to talk about baseball. Last time he joined the show, we were talking about Formula One only. For the back of that crazy end of year. And um, Danny Alvarez is a massive Formula One fan. But bringing him on to talk about some baseball and what his experiences were in and around Jupiter uh, last week. While these, uh, I guess, into the night discussions were continuing, uh, there was all sorts of images of, of people sleeping on floors and waiting around and Bob Nightingale with, uh, I guess, a sack of donuts handing them around. And all of a sudden, Bob Nightingale, everyone was back on the train. He knows, Bob, Bob knows. I was expecting the deal to be done. 12-team postseason, neither of that was true. <laughs> Full Bob Nightingale uh, extravaganza there, for sure. I still don't forget about the Bob Nightingale reporting in 2020 around the Marlins and the COVID situation. I'll never forget it, forget it. and I'll never uh, forgive him for that. It was poor reporting, and uh, yeah, I guess less said about that, the best. <laughs> so, let's get into some news, guys. We're going to start with some news, and we're going to get into some CBA updates and what it means for the Marlins. So, the main news, uh, Derek Jeter, the dust has settled. Did everyone go and listen to Swings and Mishes? I thought it was a stunning episode. The guys were back out of hibernation. They haven't done an episode for months. I'm still here grinding away with Locked On. <laughs> but, of course, great to see that the Craig, who broke the news, uh, joined Jeremy Taché to get into the Derek Jeter news. And um, you know, Craig, as always, was, was open. And it was a very insightful episode, for sure. So, 100%, go back and check that out. If you haven't listened back as well, myself and Sean Barrett got into some immediate reaction that was fully unsourced, just giving our opinions. And in reality, I don't think we were a million miles away. So that's that's good. I think more will, will come out on the Derek Jeter situation. I still believe that it was, uh, that it, it, it isn't a good, I guess, a good outcome for the Marlins right now. I, I don't believe that. I don't. And I think that's, Loosely what Craig was echoing, it's not good for some of the people for sure within the Marlins uh, who like, like well, they've been recruited by Derek Jeter Plus, like working with him. Mickey Rowe was out um, sharing his thoughts on it. So the dust has settled. I guess what it means is uh, Kim 
is is gonna have more of a shot this year to make her calls and let's see what what Kim Ang is all about with the the handbrake off with the stabilizers off however you want to phrase it I think in reality if she is given more decision making power we'll see what that what that entails and I think the interesting part that Craig was sharing is the Marlins are not done they are not done and also the other part is Derek Gito did not go because the 10 million to spend on an outfielder was was being pulled back that is absolutely not the case the Marlins are going all in all in right now they are going to be active whether that's in in trades in free agency etc I still think when you boil it down for the Marlins right now get a deal done for Cedric Mullins or Brian Reynolds get a deal done for one of those two guys sign a good big time closer and let's roll that's how I see things right now we don't have to get worrying about anything else. Don't worry about all these long-term deals for Nick Castellanos or Carlos Correa or anything like that. For the Marlins right now, based on where we're up to, go out there, get the big-time center fielder, add in a legit closer, and let's roll. That's what I'm saying. So we'll wait to see how what direction Kim takes. It's going to be very, very interesting to see what, what Kim does. But the dust has settled on Derek Jeter. Swings and misses. Go and check it out if you haven't. It was a stunning recap. Also... Um, Craig joined uh, former Locked On Marlins host Aram Layton as well on the Just Baseball podcast as well. And that was uh, in addition to, so go and check that out as well. It was a great conversation as well. Some additional questions that, that Aram got into. Um, so for sure. And then, I mean, Craig, busiest man. I mean, anything to do with the Marlins that's breaking this national, Craig will be extremely busy, no doubt. Uh, the, I guess what is now a trend continued. And is uh, which is an enjoyable one, albeit the time chosen is is never optimal for UK fans. But takes were made. Uh, the main man got the spaces, the Twitter spaces fired up. Got Craig Mish in the mix, and I believe they had a big spaces uh, recapping on this Derek Jeter uh, conversation. However, it wasn't Jeter news out of the spaces that caught my attention the next day. I think it was Alex Carver, um, fish on the farm. Uh, that, that shared that one of the things that was mentioned, that Craig shared, was that Sixto Sanchez is hurt again. Or, well, still hurt, I guess, but has had a setback. I'm not quite clear on what it is specifically, but boy, oh boy, that is not good news. Not good news. We saw Sixto was, I guess, ramping up his throwing program a few weeks back on Instagram <laughs> to mixed reviews, let's say. Um, but nevertheless, I've... You know, I think we always felt the Marlins would be relatively cautious with 6-0 in 2022. Definitely wouldn't be around for opening day. Um, and, uh, you know, the reality is now we're talking about kind of mid-season at best. To me, this sounds like another potential lost year at the major league level anyway for 6 Sanchez. And uh, really the Marlins, it, it's just, it's not the news they wanted, clearly. Um, but for me, it's all been pointed to 6-0 in 2023 get the body right, get the health right, get the shoulder right, get everything right, full go 23, rehab 22. Let's see how it plays out. But big news dropped by Craig there. I haven't seen much more reported on that. So I'm interested to uh, hopefully hear more on the status, what's gone wrong, what's not, is it precautionary, what are the timelines, those kind of questions on Sixto because clearly he's a big part of or was projected to be a big part of the Marlins uh, rotation moving forward. I went back and looked at some clips. I got kind of excited looking back at some clips from 2020 when he made his debut. And, you know, we can often forget. I think this is the key thing with Sixto. You forget, right? We've had a, a year 
of jokes and joke reporting around it. <laughs> throwing from 25 feet, throwing from 37 feet, whatever it may be. But go back and look at some of the action from 2020. Sixto Sanchez is a legit major league pitcher, top of the rotation potential, ability, no doubt about it. So we need to remind ourselves of that sometimes. Uh, it can be forgotten. We haven't, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Go back and look at some clips and remember how good Sixto is and can be. And really, we just wish him well in his uh, rehab in 22. Let's see whether we get any action um, with him in the minors. Uh, perhaps that's kind of what he's shooting for right now. I don't know. Wait to see. I haven't heard any further reports on that one. So, um, you know, time will tell. So that was... Uh, there is some further Marlins news that links to the uh, TV broadcast. So we're going to get into that shortly, which is, I think was a nice um, a nice bit of news breaking. It doesn't complete the roster, let's say, um, from the uh, the Bally Sports uh, booth. But we'll, we'll cover that shortly. Before we get there, it is time to tell you about our guys over at Built Bar, of course. And, well, it is that time of the year when pretty much all New Year's resolutions are gone. Not this year, I'm sticking to mine, eat them right, and that is thanks to Built Bar. The main question I've got for you, and I've asked you this all New Year, or at least all month, have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-selling bars. Puffs, what are they? They are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. Yep, protein-infused marshmallow. Fluffy, marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And covered in 100% real chocolate. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. So get yourselves over to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15. Get 15% off your order. That's Built.com, LOCKED15. Okay, so as I mentioned, guys, there is also news around uh, the Bally Sports booth. As we know, Todd Hollandsworth, that contract was not extended, and uh, we've been anxiously awaiting news on, on perhaps who'll be joining Paul Severino. We know Paul Severino is back in the booth. And I'll drop a spoiler for you right now. Sev is joining me on the podcast, not next week, but the week after. Uh, date TBC, episode length TBC, number of episodes for the conversation TBC. But nevertheless, Paul Severino is going to be joining me on Lockdown Marlins back end of uh, week after next. So look forward to that one. Um, and it'll be a good time to ask him and his views and thoughts on this. But here's what we know. JP Aronsebia. Uh, will be on the color broadcast, the TV broadcast, uh, for around about 60 games, I believe. So effectively, uh, around about a third of the season. And I think those were the, the early reports or signs was that Bally um, were going to go with a, a kind of mixed rotation, let's say, of people, not just Todd Hollandsworth type situation of one guy alongside the play-by-play of uh, Paul Severino. So JP Aronsebia, the first guy in. I love JP. I love his voice. I love his insight. I think the, the beautiful thing of JP, you know, being an ex-catcher, he really understands the intricacies of that relationship, clearly, between catcher and pitcher. And clearly the Marlins' strength sits in the pitching side. And so I think JP adds a lot of real nice insight about what's going on in the with you know, in the battery, but also kind of what the pitcher would be thinking, what he would be thinking about trying to get him to do um, so I think it's a really nice hire. Like I said, he's been doing Martin's radio for some time. I think he did some TV as well, um, you know, pre-game, post-game last year. 
Um, so I think it's a real nice hire. I love JP's voice. Uh, I think he's going to bring a lot to the broadcast. And I guess what that means is there's you know an extra you know hundred games that will need to be covered by other people. Who would that be? We'll wait and see. But I do really believe that uh, Kelly Sacco would be a real nice choice. It wouldn't shock me if Kelly Sacco maybe does sixty as well. So JP and Kelly. Um, 60 apiece and then you've got kind of 40 games well actually that's shrink, shrinking now um, as the days go by but in a normal 162 40 games or so for um, someone else who could that be you know I guess up for debate but Tommy Hutton's been talked about uh, there's a few other names out there but you know here's what we know JP Aaron Sebia has the gig for 60 or so games next to Paul Severino I like the hire I like the uh, I, I think it's a nice fit I think Kelly Sacco would be the same and then perhaps um, they go with Tommy Hutton or, or a another. We'll wait and see on that one. Um, but, you know, further news. Further news for the Marlins, for sure. Um, so, guys, we have to get into this this topic now. And I just kind of teased it then. Regular season. At the moment, all signals are pointing to it not being 162 games in the 2022 season. The games, Rob Manfred came out after the... Uh, the deadline wasn't met. A best and a best and final was put forward to the players' union from the owners, and it was swiftly declined. And off the back of that, Rob Manfred went to the podium, uh, let everyone know that the first week of baseball is now cancelled, not postponed, not rearranged, cancelled. What does that mean? That means the Marlins and Braves were due to open things up. Lone Depot, what a great first series to get the juices flowing. The World Series champs, division rivals, straight into Lone Depot would have been an absolutely stunning matchup. Cancelled. Cancelled. Texas Rangers were coming to town after that as well. Cancelled as well. So the first week is gone. So let's just quickly talk about this moment now or this, this whole news conference. I didn't see it fully live. I've seen clips. But the reality is... Rob Manfred, the commissioner of the game, was up there on the podium letting everyone know that games were cancelled. And his demeanour and his, his approach, he was way too jovial. He was laughing and joking, smiling. It's absolutely shocking. This should have been a last resort situation and one that as the commissioner, you'd be devastated about. Devastated that you can't bring the product to the fans. Instead, he's up there on the podium laughing, joking, smiling. It's an absolute nonsense. And for me, should be... I mean, the reality is he, he's chosen by the owners and it is what it is. But as a look for the game, it's totally embarrassing. Totally embarrassing that the commissioner is up there delivering the message that he is in the way that he is. Totally shocking. And um, just adds to... You know, the further issues around, you know, fire Manfred. But the reality is he seems to be doing his job pretty well in many ways. In that he's a labor guy, he's a labor negotiation guy, and that's, that's what he's there to do. So that's the bad news, guys. Opening day, opening week, cancelled. I guess negotiations, the interesting part is we, we thought, the momentum was there. It felt like the momentum was brewing the day before. They worked way into the night, two in the morning, uh, US time, East Coast time. I mean, I woke up and everyone was still up on Twitter. I was like, wow, this is great. Everyone's still up. 
7 a.m. for me, sipping sipping the coffees, cafecitos. Could see Danny Alvarez, you know, putting tweets out there. Jordan McPherson, send cafecitos immediately. <laughs> the boys were absolutely struggling. Uh, I guess uh, Bob Nightingale's uh, donut bag had run out. But, uh, you know, everyone was still up. They were even thinking, could a deal get done? Could a deal get done right now? And the, the funny thing is, after the, the day after when clearly things went sour again, if they were still negotiating up to 2 a.m., irrespective of the reports, my view is that they felt like they were getting close, that they were. Because otherwise, it's pointless staying until 2 a.m., right? You just kind of call it a day and say, hey, listen, let's come back fresh tomorrow. Let's go and have some showers, have a couple of beers, chill, relax, come back tomorrow, fresh eyes. But for them to stay that long, I feel like there must have been some momentum brewing between the parties. Um, but inevitably, they came back the next day, and all of a sudden, the rhetoric really changed around, uh, oh, the players have, you know, have kind of gone back on things and kind of trying to PR the players out of this. This is the problem these days. The reality is the players, we can hear from them directly. They're on Twitter directly tweeting their thoughts. So you can point the finger at them, but the reality is these guys will open up their Twitter accounts and they will tweet their own opinion and they will defend themselves if needed. But... The interesting part, though, I think when we look at where things have landed, the best and final offer really, it focused in a couple of three key areas, really. And it was minimum salary, which is which is going up quite significantly. And that was on the table. The competitive balance tax, the luxury tax threshold, however you want to phrase it. The owners put something out on that and it was very similar to what it is now. Minor, minor increases on that. So... Not much movement there. And the player pool, the pre-arb player pool, if you recall, they were wild. Wild, there was a massive gap on that one originally. And the gap has, I guess, shortened or narrowed slightly, but it's still, like, it's still, they seem way off on that one. And so at the heart of this, it was basically a, a bump in minimum salary, in base salary. And that was at the heart of the deal. The rest of it was kind of unchanged. And the main thing was a 12-team postseason for that. So when you strip all of the palaver away, on the table was, we're going to bump your basic salary, but we want a 12-team postseason and maybe a 30 million pool for pre-arb guys, which is what? A million a team. So that's not going to get it done. It isn't. So the players rejected it, rightly so. They rightly did. And thus the chain effect of Rob Manfred going onto the podium to, to announce that games were cancelled in shoes. Sad situation. Sad, sad situation, but not unsurprising. Um, we're going to carry on this conversation around, around the, well, what's happened since and what the, I guess, what the knock-on effect could be. Before we get there, I will tell you about our guys over at Bet Online. And football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. 
Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. It's bet online where the game starts. And it would be wonderful if uh, baseball would start soon, for sure. But you know, we'll we'll wait and see on when that when that is. So, where are we up to now? Where does that take us? What what we've seen in the last day or two is some negotiations or some talks, more informal talks continuing. So where are we going to land on this? At the heart of everything, at the heart of it all, we know what the owners want. We've known that all along. This boils down to the owners want a 14-team postseason because more postseason games, more revenue from them for or via the, the national networks. This is the thing. This has nothing to do with the regional networks. They don't cover any of the postseason games. This is just national networks only. More games, more eyeballs, more dollars. That is what it boils down to. So, the interesting part is I put out on Twitter saying 14 or bust. Honestly, I believe to get the deal done, it will be a 14-team postseason. And the funny thing is, is people reply to me saying, oh, no, 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 the, the players want 12. 12's been agreed. Listen, 12 hasn't been agreed. The owners want 14. The players know it, the owners know it, everyone knows it. So to get the deal done that the players will want, not just on not on the postseason, but on the dollar amounts for some of these things they're asking, it will be 14. So 14 will be where it ends, in my opinion. I just I can't see any other outcome right now. Then the question is, well, the, do the players, the players want 12, I've heard. The players want a 12-team postseason. That's absolute nonsense. The players don't want a 12-team. Why would they? Why would the players want a 12-team postseason? The players themselves, listen, they're competitive dudes. They want, they want postseason action. The players probably don't really care, but actually they probably want 14 too. I believe that they do. They don't, they don't care about all the noise around it. 14 teams means that more players will have the opportunity to get into a postseason and keep their clubs all the way through the season interested. And for me, that's a good thing for the players. So this talk about 12 teams is agreed. It isn't agreed. It will land on 14 and the players want 12. They don't. The owners want 14. They know it. And the players are saying 12 because they're negotiating. It's a negotiation. Give and take. Comes down to it now. The league hasn't offered what the players wanted on the money front. They haven't. They haven't budged enough on, on the CBT. They haven't budged enough on the pre art pool. So, what have you got left in your back pocket? You've got the 14-team postseason. You have. Go back. Hey, actually, we're happy to have that conversation now about 14 teams, but this is what we want to see in return. I'm sure there'll be some calculations that they'll be able to present in terms of what the dollar amounts will be if they're able to add these extra two teams, which creates an extra, what, three games, six games, whatever it may be, beyond the 12. So that's going to be the discussion they're having, for sure. 14 teams will happen. The knock-on effect then is interesting. So what are, the, what are going to be the two, well, the, the three areas are already discussing. The players want more minimum salary. They're going to get it. They're going to get the minimum salary bumps. The pre-hour player pool, I think they land around 50 mil for that. Maybe 60. 60 mil gives an extra 2 million per team 
uh, for those pre-arb dudes. Feels right to me. Feels okay. It's a new concept. Eli mentioned this. A new concept. These are the ones that are harder to negotiate from. You need a starting point. So I think they end up at 50 to 60 mil on the pre-arb pool. And then you get into the competitive balance tax. Listen, as Marlins fans, most people listen to this, they're Marlins fans. This is totally irrelevant for us. Totally irrelevant in that we're never going to be at this point. 220 mil on a roster, it ain't happening. It just ain't happening. So for us, it's irrelevant. However, the name, let's not forget what the name of this is, the competitive balance tax. So with that being said, you know, that's, it is effectively a salary cap. And for the Marlins in a small market, we should. this is all good. This is what we want. We want to be able to restrict the spending of some of the other teams so it doesn't become too imbalanced. This is the point. We want it to be, and I'm okay with this from the league and the owner's side. I know where the players are coming from. They want, you know, some of the big free agents want the ability to sign in big markets for the big teams. This is the interesting bit, right? Where you have a uh, Corey Seager signing with the, the Texas Rangers because, well, the Dodgers can't afford him now because of where the, the well, the the salary cap is, for want of a better description. The, he ends up having to go to the Rangers because they have the space. They can afford to pay him the money he wants, plus they have the space. The Dodgers can't. So, I mean, what would happen? The Dodgers end up, you know, extending Corey Seager too. You know, then you end up with such imbalanced rosters, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I've seen a lot of articles around this about, you know, whether the, the cap, you know, really impacts baseball. I think fundamentally with baseball, a lot of it is luck. <laughs> to be honest with you, there's so much luck in baseball, it's insane. Um, and that's why you get, you know, probably just a natural competitive balance just because it's all down to luck. Well, a lot of it can be, but... I don't know. I think it's a really interesting topic, but one that I'm I'm not against the owners standing firm on. What I'd prefer is for those for the minimum the league minimum to be raised significantly. I think that'll happen, and for the pre-R pool to be raised or to be created and raised. Um, but going back to a podcast I put out right at the start of the, you know when the negotiations were kind of kicking off and the lockout had started. I think the disappointing thing for me, the main disappointing thing, is. Some of the priorities within that that I that I thought would be priorities have just seemed they vanished. They vanished. I talked about the minor leagues, the minor league conditions being priority number one. No one's talking about them. This is this is the thing. This is they're so underrepresented. The minor leaguers, their working conditions, everything. It's absolutely shocking. But and they're getting no representation, so that's not being addressed. Service time manipulation, another main issue with the sport, service time manipulation. Nothing's happening there, is there? They're talking about maybe a lottery for what, the four or five teams at the bottom or something, a lottery? It's just a nonsense. Okay, it creates a little bit of drama. So actually, you know, for the league, it'll create a, you know, a, a way of monetizing that as well because they'll have a few more eyeballs on going, whoa, who's going to be pulled out for the first pick and whatever. So... You know, maybe there's there's a benefit there, but that isn't going to solve um, service time manipulation or, or any of that. I, I don't think they've addressed that at all. We're talking about arbitration length, all of these topics that really the players have conceded on. When you boil it down, what the players are asking for seemingly is 
we want our minimum salaries to be at a significantly higher level than they were, which is which is fair. We we want players top thirty, top thirty five, top forty, whatever it might be, in pre arb to be rewarded greater than what they are now, and I think they're going to get that. And the players want teams to have a higher salary cap. That's effectively where we've landed. So when you boil it all down, it's all about money. It's always been about the money. And it unfortunately, none of the other issues, none of the issues that we see as fans are being addressed. They're not. The minor leaguers, they're left out there. Service time manipulation, tanking, all of these problems with the games not being addressed. It just boils down to dollar signs. And that's it. And that's all it's ever been about. It is what it is. So we'll wait and see on, on how things progress. But for me, I think it's nailed on. There's a 14-team postseason. I think the competitive balance tax is raised uh, you know, a couple of mil, nothing major. I think they get the player pool done and I get, they get the minimum salaries at you know, three-quarters of a mil per annum, whatever it might be, something in that range. So, how many games are we going to miss? That is the, the concern right now. Uh, I guess it's unclear, but for me, again, this is a, another problem. The owners don't care. I, in general, I don't think they do. I don't think they care. I don't think they care if they miss a month. Honestly, I don't. You know, it's cold in many of these cities. Um, I mean, think back to last year, opening day in Detroit. Mickey hitting a home run or whatever in the snow. <laughs> it wasn't baseball conditions. So, I don't, I don't think... I don't think they really care. So I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if a month's gone. I actually think it's, it's pretty likely maybe from this point that the first month goes and perhaps we, we carry on. But I think the, the pathway to getting a deal done is there. I think it's in front of everyone. I think we can all see what it's going to land on. 14 teams, the players get what they, what they want um, you know, broadly. We'll worry about the other stuff another time. Service time, tanking, minor leaguers, all this kind of bigger stuff. We'll park that for now. Let's get... Let's get ourselves paid better. Let's get baseball back on the field and let's go. With that being said, guys, that is going to wrap us up for today on Locked On Marlins. Do not forget to hit the subscribe button. I'm going to be back tomorrow, Sunday, with another episode. And then also, going into next week, a full review, preview with some guys on the Washington Nationals. And also, Daniel Alvarez will be joining me, helping me to navigate some of these topics, update us on where we're up to with CBA. What he saw in and around Jupiter should be a lot of fun. Stay tuned, guys. Back tomorrow.